0: Welcome to hashtag analytics, a conversation between two individuals, one that's super opinionated, one that's super passionate, both around the topic of analytics. I'm Ann Jackson. I am an analytics evangelist. You can follow me on Twitter at my name at Jackson or you can head to my website, jackson2.com, for blog posts, resources, and more.
1: Luke? And I'm Luke Stanky. I'm an analytics professional uh, who knows a little bit about data visualization, machine learning, and I dabble in cloud architecture. You can follow me on Twitter at Luke Stanke. So Anne, um, last time when we left, we said we'd be talking about resources. And I think that this is a pretty good topic, considering there's always some sort of competition in analytics going on at any given time. And then it's always like how do i get inspired for those or how do i learn how to do something so we thought hey let's share some of our favorite resources um and given that the tableau iron viz is going on right now i thought maybe you could help me out and uh, provide me some of your favorite places to get inspired
0: yeah so i I love this topic i'll put it that way i love this topic because you're right i get asked it a lot um where do i go for resources how do i get How do I improve? There's a whole wide spectrum when it comes to resources. And I think part of what we're going to be doing is, I have a list. I know you have a list. We're going to be sharing that. But I figured I'd kind of start off and say that when I talk to people about resources, I don't know about you, but when I talk to people about resources, Luke, I like to probe a little bit deeper and ask them what it is they're looking for. So as an example, if they're looking for technical resources, right? I want to get better at X. So you know, we're prominent in the Tableau community. I want to get better at Tableau. Uh, some of the things that I will say if you want to get better at Tableau are you know, there's books out there, there's blog posts, there's resources. I try to point people to do things that are very hands on, um, something mm-hmm. like Makeover Monday, our big, you know, our baby, um, Workout Wednesday. What about you when it comes to technical resources?
1: I always say the answer is always on Google. It's just a matter of knowing how to refine your search, right? Because it's always just like I, most people don't know where to start searching or the terms to search for and based on the whatever technical skill set I'm using, it's really knowing the exact words and language that you need to put in. It's almost like becoming fluent in the Google search bar uh, and find to find exactly what you're looking for because often it, It can just be the order of terminology that determines exactly what you're going to get and sort of teaching someone how to use the right order of that language.
0: Makes sense. You mentioned, you know, you use R, you dabble in other things. How would you go about searching for something more technical as it relates to specific scripting or coding? So R, SQL, that type of thing where there is not a right way to do things, but there is, you know, some sort of algorithmic fashion, some way to produce the code to get to an end result.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's if you're ask, uh, thats a tough question because it's like you're asking me what's my thought process as I start to search for something on the web. And I think uh, I was doing this yesterday. What I'm trying to do is optimize the locations of rectangles in a larger rectangle uh, right now. Um, that's to help me with my Iron Viz. I'm trying to kind of just slot things into places given the correct space uh, that that exists, and I have no idea. I've, I have not had to deal with an optimization problem that deals with fitting rectangles into a rectangle. And um, it starts with like optimization, rectangle and rectangle. What is that? Is that the right terminology to start using? Then start probing into each of those articles, right? There's, it's, there's I have no, having no background on it, it's just like I'm going to start searching and trying to weed out what looks like it's a good solution. Um, Some of them are technical articles, which kind of always end up not being what I'm looking for because right, as a practitioner, I'm not worried as much about the methodological approach to the optimization. I just want to know how to get it done and what is the code base that can I use and then after I know which code base exists, what are the actual, what's the syntax of that? Um, So I ended up having to like search for optimization problems and then I found specific types of Algorithms to use and then I found like a subset that that whole genre actually fits into that's beyond just optimization so starting out with that now I'm down to what the profession would actually call this and then I'm searching for that terminology and at the end of it in R or in Python and then hoping that I actually return something that's for in R or in Python to get the, the, the syntax that I'm looking for. And ultimately, I'm looking for examples because it's not going to fit exactly with what I want to do, but I want to see how they're structuring their data and then how that language, how, how their formulas, right? Because they're ultimately using some sort of formula and they're inserting their data into it. So how do I get all that to align and what the output look like? Uh, and hoping to find one tutorial—that's always what I'm just trying to find because you can build off from there. It's so hard to to try to find those types of tutorials. It's just like technical information is really tough. But anyway, like if I was going to do this and where I'm going to start, uh, there are some really good blogs in R. Like there's R Weekly, which is a weekly digest of all the best things that are coming out in R in a in a given. In, in a given week a lot of them are hands-on so you're able to take a look at other practitioners as they are so nice uh, kind of like R and Tableau I always find have really strong community where they're always posting about what they're doing so I'm able to find exactly what I want from that so and um, any suggestions on how I should start that given uh, you know you have a, a wide variety of skills how would you go about such a problem
0: I think it's similar. I think Google's a great resource. Um, I like YouTube videos, so a lot of times I like to see people doing something hands-on. Um, I tell people that a lot when they ask me, like, how do you get better, what do you do? I always say, go watch a video. To me, it's about the seeing someone explain it and do it at the same time, and then I always find that once I solve a problem, sharing that problem-solving framework, how I went about and approached it, uh, crystallizes that knowledge for me. So oftentimes I will write a blog post or a tutorial with the hope that someone like you may come along and find some interest in it. But it really helps me what I found is like, if someone asks me about something super hard that I did, right? If I've written a blog post about it or if I've talked about it in depth multiple times, it's much easier for me to remember it. So I always make that a part of my problem solving process, especially when it's something technical. Because a lot of times like code you'll just forget it, right? You just copy and paste something in. I find myself just like, um, you know, so like my recent Iron Viz with with, uh, Python, right? Doing sentiment analysis starts the same way. Snippets of code and then you tweak things to get it to work. But unless you really go through that process of why did I do these things uh, to get to an end result, I don't think it's going to stick with you. And I also Mm -hmm. think that's really good from, You know, what you're talking about, what you're describing is just kind of like the analytical process in my mind of you start with a problem, you start with a question, and then you keep finding evidence and refining how you're asking that question to get to an answer. I think that that's super critical to us as analytics practitioners, professionals, whatever it is, whatever the canvas, if it's communicating via data visualization or a presentation or just sharing results, super important.
1: and I think you described uh, I've gone and I've done work for uh, multiple as a consultant I've gone and done work for multiple clients where they always ask okay how do you think analytically And I think what we just described in trying to problem-solve is that analytical thinking start broad you might not know what you're doing and feel confident that as you iterate you're going to get closer to that solution Um, I, I really feel like that's that's the secret sauce to being analytical thinking is just not just stopping is just constantly trying to iterate on something that already exists because in the given in the given situation as large as the internet is there's always something out there that we can be utilizing and just iterating slightly on
0: yeah I agree and I mean again I I would tell you for technical resources like I don't I've heard this before but like the the smartest people don't know all the answers they know where to find all the answers and that's how I approach technical resources specifically knowing where to go like you said knowing what to ask the google for i think is the best yep. way to 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 solve problems when you're thinking about technical issues
1: and i think you brought up a really good point earlier with youtube videos i'm doing a couple of there's a couple of AI courses that Stanford offers right on YouTube they just, just like all the recordings of their of, of their courses and uh these aren't the online courses these are just like their strict actual classes and it's been really easy to pick up what's going on because you're getting that additional context from the video from the lecturer rather than um just reading through a book right the book's great but in the end like hearing someone explain certain points kind of goes a lot further and uh, YouTube videos are definitely underrated for that. Sometimes you have to rewatch things, but I still think like in the end, just by going through that same content, you really are able to capture the key points that you need to get. I mean, that's really how I learned how to use Tableau was watching the videos over and over. Uh, so there's, there's uh, and often they write, they don't always, when you're doing your searches, they don't always hit to the top. Mm-hmm. So almost going separately to YouTube or to some video, collection and trying to search through them right
0: yeah i agree so i'll ask you this like we're both pretty good at tableau right allegedly so does the process change in terms of like building technical skill or acumen with a tool once you get to a certain level of mastery does it change where you go to get resources i know for me instead of looking at the videos sometimes i'll more just focus on um people's thought process, I guess, and, and how they wield the tool, not so much like the drag and drop and what do I need to do, where do I place you know, things, but the the more conceptual abstraction of here's what I'm trying to build that thing. Is that, is that, yeah, I think you? that's
1: exactly right. I think we go from when we're learning a tool, we're learning the basics and we're watching videos, trying to pick up all the tools and different techniques, but really what it comes down to is what someone's thought process is. Not a, Maybe in the technical development, but also in their thought process of the of the creative side. So, uh, with the, the our Workout Wednesday that we put on, I think a lot of it is when I'm dissecting your rowdy's visualizations, I'm thinking about more about your thought process, not about the technical skill that goes into developing. And it's like, oh, what were you thinking when you're doing this? Okay, that's an interesting way to to think about the to go about that approach. But I think really even when I talk to people, so now it's less about go find those online resources, but seek out individuals and then ask them what they were thinking, what they were creating a certain, whether it's visual or they're creating a code and I'm trying to dissect their code and understand what their approach was. Cause obviously in both sides, whether it's visualization or data prep or data or analytic or machine learning, you're still, there's a process that goes through it that requires human thought And it's trying to understand what someone's thinking at that given point in time when they're putting it together. I think that's the the fun of it when you can get to that point.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay. We talked about technical resources and i think there's some things that we agree on right try to find someone who communicates their thought process well for problem solving look for something that's more visual if you're a visual learner take elements of what other people have done and knowing that that thought process will change that's very technical that's like how i'm actually doing it what about for the soft i say softer side but um the the more human side like the communication aspect that goes hand in hand with analytics. I mean, a lot of it, uh, you you said something really interesting last time, which was I think that information communication was kind of taken away from more of a design and and software communication side and put into more of like a technical like IT side. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about where do you go for resources on that and just kind of how do you um, strengthen yourself in that domain? Because it's different. It's different than um, building widgets and taking code and producing something.
1: Yeah, I think that's a interesting kind of place to go. Is when we're thinking about the design of all, a lot of the work that we're doing, whether it is the design of the code or design of the the visualizations that end up going with it. Because in the end, right, even if we were just just writing like machine learning, give me uh, predict best predictive price of something uh, in the end that still has to be visualized or, or produced in some sort of um, uh, data product right so um, that's funny that term comes from a resource we'll talk about in a little bit um, but I like to not think about everything as a dashboard or a visualization it's a data product and I think that's something to really start to think about is that there are so many different ways that we can surface the data and the key output from the data and it's not just a dashboard and it's often that's a term that everybody uses and I hate using it because it goes that really kind of goes against there's just some negative connotations with the term dashboard um, because it generally implies there's a lack of design and there's a lack of thought into the that final piece but everything from like your the apps that you're using that are servicing data i'm thinking about like lyft and uber they have some of the best data visualization specialists to come up with the maps that you're seeing um, to the stuff that we're doing every single day that's might be in tableau Um, there's a lot of work that goes into that but i'm there's a really good website i'm that they offer a bunch of printed books is smashingmagazine.com and some of the books that i like to read about are like design systems inclusive uh, design patterns uh, user experience revolution so there's just a couple of books that they offer that they're just sort of servicing up uh, for individuals to take a look at and I don't spend a ton of time focusing on UX UI Uh, I have worked in the past with individuals who are experts in that area and what but that's to me one of the most important things of our job is to think about UX, UI, and how that whole experience comes together. Um, There's just not enough time uh, typically spent specifically when we're talking about data products. Uh, Everything else, whether it's a website, those are sort of uh, things that often are less thought or more thought about, right? This, we, we just assume those kind of things go with UX, UI, and the actual visualizations get skipped. And while we talked about this last week, which it was, or two weeks ago, um, data visualization is sort of the, the bastard child of design. It kind of is separated out and doesn't take that same approach. But um, there are plenty of design sites out there. Uh, I know I just named one, but that's where I go and you have any uh, particular that you go to with the, as you smirk and obviously have a few things
0: well i think you kind of said it well like um ux and ui i mean personally for me i do think that that's in my mind that's more of a design oriented space as opposed to where my expertise truly lies but where i say that ux ui experience is not at the forefront for me what is at the forefront is sort of empathy and awareness of the audience to me a lot of times the difference between a good data product and a bad data product is how you sell it or how you share it how you communicate it so Mm -hmm. i think that um as i've spent more time in this domain i've focused a lot of my attention on people like Edward Tufte and Stephen Few, which I know are like heavy hitter names and people have varying opinions, right? Like exactly right. But you can't get away from what it is that they do. I mean, Edward Tufte is probably even better because he's so tongue in cheek about things that it's very appropriate to understand someone that takes it to a certain extreme to prove a point, to analyze a situation, to describe things. And if you can dial it back a little bit and understand the heart of what he's saying and you know apply it right i kind of feel like he's a little bit of a zealot sometimes (laughs) but there's a lot of good intention there and i always think that um those are really good resources and i i focus on empathy and audience right i may not be so great like when i think about ux and UI, i think is it should it be a radio button should it be a drop down where should it be visually for it to have the most flow or breathing space those are things i love those are things i think about i don't you say think- it like
1: that but i think about it as which house the when we think about the the style of it and the location which is it, where is it going to have the best impact and yeah. i think it's it's more about more than just the whole the view of it itself and does it look pretty but really is it foundationally going to be impactful given the location of it yeah
0: and i, I agree with you i think it, that's important I, I agree with you that I, that not enough emphasis emphasis is placed on that area. And if I am limited for time, um, beyond having you know something very analytically sound, right? You have to have the sound data product to to get anywhere, right. It has to have some sort of depth to it to even be worthwhile. But I would rather spend, you know most of my energy um, explaining to people the purpose behind, Whatever it was that was developed. I like to use the, this is the big book of dashboards term, the multifaceted analytical display. I really like that idea as opposed to a dashboard. I think that communicates better what it is that I sp- tend to spend my time doing. But if I can spend time working with a person to say, here's what you can use this multifaceted analytical display for, here are some of the things that you can unearth. As I'm going through it, here is how I envision myself in your shoes, using it to solve my everyday problems, I find that that is where you get the most utility and benefit out of the act of building whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. specifically, I think Stephen Few and Edward Tufte really have nailed that down. Stephen Few, I love the guy more for being very blunt and straightforward about the proliferation of data, the proliferation proliferation of analytics but the lack of quality that we're still seeing with it that we've got this these massive amounts of information we've spent years and years acquiring things to what end not to get any smarter right we're still not accurately and effectively applying it from my perspective go ahead I I,
1: I think that's right I actually wrote that exact same thing down um, when we were what I was prepping for this is that it was sort of like, okay, there is one thing that we need to discuss in general, which is the data products that we're producing that are multifaceted. What was the term again? Multifaceted, multifaceted
0: analytical display. You can stick with analytical display. I like analytical yep. display.
1: Yeah. So I think that is a real gap that I continuously see, especially as I work across many organizations and work with lots of people. I've Uh, as you know over the last two years I've done a ton of training of individuals across the world which uh, I'm really passionate about being able to go and do Uh, but uh, looking at the quality and the misses and knowing that there are some easy resources that they can go to right away to sort of scale up and we're, we're not talking about a ton of effort in order to get those analytical displays up to a level in which they should be is sort of like a minimal data fluency uh, or data literacy another book by the way we can talk about Um, I have just got lots of props they're just sitting on my desk you know no intention for today whatsoever Um, but yeah I think that's that's the issue is that we we haven't set what we consider as sort of data literate in terms of what those visuals look like and as an industry and therefore, because there's no bar set, we just kind of accept crap that gets produced and it's really an acceptance. And we try to say like, we've tried to frame that crap under the, we're trying to bring more individuals into uh, into the community, but really we should be, providing uh, appropriate critiques of that saying hey you should thanks for entering the community i appreciate what you've put out but you should read this book i think it'll help you improve the quality of your or go to this website or whatever it is or talk to this person uh, to, in order to scale up your skills uh, i am that's something that i'm trying to reconcile as always there's the There's always chatter in the passionate data viz, Twitter community that we're not accepting of people enough in their work, but then I also see that work coming out simultaneously. So it's how do you balance those two things? Of course, it's just being constructive. Hopefully that's the the solution. It's not just bluntly saying it's crappy. It's saying, welcome, here, check out these cool resources. This will lift you up.
0: Yeah. Well, if we, if we could change one thing that I, one thing in my mind, I guess, that would help uh, propel us forward to, to higher quality data products would be drop the, the iceberg concept. The whole 80% of time is spent on data gathering and data prep, and only 20% is spent on the actual visual display. While I think there's some validity in that, it's missing the point. the the Yes, maybe it's easier functionally. Maybe there's better, no, I mean, maybe there's better tools to build these things, but the 80% spend on the, the iceberg, the data, the gathering, your end client, they don't care. They do not care. Yes. There's some efficacy of data that needs to exist, but that is not what they are looking for to help run their business, to drive change, to understand a process. So if we could do one thing, I would say drop the iceberg or change it, change the analogy.
1: Yeah, I think it's also, you, I, I read it whether it's whatever visualization tool that's being used in the end, visualization sort of gets pushed after the data has been prepped. It's like, oh, it's taken years to get it ready. Now you have a week to do this and there has to be pushback and saying, no, that's not the way we need to treat this. We've got everything in place. Now is the time to invest to make sure that we produce the correct tools so that they do get used and you didn't waste two years and millions of dollars getting it ready. I think that's, that's the iceberg or breaking breaking down the iceberg and getting rid of that analogy, right? It's more like it's just a, Uh, 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 a tennis ball floating in water and half of it's above and half of it's below right Um, for lack of a good analogy but it's really more 50 50 than like 80 20.
0: yeah and i think that the book that you brought up the data fluency book and and specifically this concept of we spend this massive effort um finding these data assets yes so
1: Building a culture,
0: by the way. I bought this book after you told me about this book. So, building out a culture of analytics, of really changing kind of the way you approach things to be more um, analytically fluent, uh, to be better, is where I honestly spend a lot of my time, a lot of my work with people. Like what you described, a lot of people are at a place where they've adopted modern analytics and they've got all the right uh, technologies in place, like that part's easier now. It becomes easier every day, but they're still struggling to know what to do with things and how to onboard people to this culture, to this notion, right? And that, I think the i is
1: responsible for that. If we're talking about, so the Data Fluency is an amazing book. It's sort of what propelled me into consulting to begin with, because I was in sort of the way that it's broken out is how most people should probably think about it in my mind. You have your end users, you have your developers, you have culture, which is sort of like a combination of leaders and just so it's like 50% leaders, 50% actual culture within the organization because the leaders can influence it. But if you have a lot of individuals who are like, I'm not going to buy into any of these new tools, then you have culture issues to work through. And then you have the tools and technology. Um, which are often 90% built out for an organization relative to the rest. We were just talking about this, there's that 90% iceberg spent in this one quadrant of the four things, and you haven't spent prepping leaders across the organization on how they're gonna scale up their teams, and you haven't spent any time with the people who are gonna be using the data and using different technologies to show off that data. Uh, And they're just stuck in Excel world, and ultimately, whether the end users are ready for it or not, the other parts are not prepped yet. So then, like, how do you balance out? It's really not an iceberg. There are f- it's like this, like, a, a, some sort of four-way balance that you're trying to uh, play out evenly because all four do matter in the end. And I think that's, that's the brilliance of this book is that they provide a few tips in each of the areas. No, By no means, I think, would the author say, if you do everything in, in this book, you will have solved all the problems within an organization. They just provide a few hands, some some poignant examples and a few tips that you could go uh, forward with.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll say this, maybe I'm biased, but I find my uh, most inspirational work occurs more with the end users, more with um, trying to propel people forward in how they approach analytics, how they're actually leveraging analytics, Quality that they're seeing from it and that tends to be what will cause the most impact right not not the cutest bar chart of all time that's where I find the most impact occurring and I will also say that um, another thing I do to help kind of get into the the mindset of that stakeholder is read a lot of leadership articles uh, that describe how to communicate that describe how to lead a team how to drive change change management is really difficult effective change is
1: hard it's so it's one of the most important things is thinking about that change management that is required with all that and that really is your change management is ultimately not just getting pushed to your end users but it's also what drives the culture within the organization that's why you're talking about with your leaders your developers and the users all three kind of push the culture of an organization to change. Um, and ultimately, you want to avoid having so many, I keep coming back to this, but ultimately you want to have less people just doing like custom Excel work, constantly repeating the same processes. Um, and I think that is, ulti- why, this is why we spend all this time and we're trying to automate all this, is that those are the things that can allow people to spend more time making better decisions and, and investigating deeper than you know doing service level work constantly um you brought up a really interesting point by the way right it's how you the one thing you really enjoy is working with the end users and you have a couple resources one resource i think of is idio uh, which is an organization they have what's called the field guide to human centered design so it's thinking about how individuals are going to experience and work through not just data but anything in general and that the human experience of it i think that's a really great resource for people to sort of take take and take a look at in order to start thinking about it if they haven't done this already the best part is you can download the pdf for free all you just have to do is um, sign up and then you can just log in for free
0: i'll have to go do that i have not done that i've, okay. I've <laughs> i'm lacking in that area but yeah like again i read a it's probably one of the things that strengthened me as just a, a a person, right, as a professional is is focusing on the stakeholders and how they get um things communicated to them so that they they make an impact. I think you find that a lot in in leadership articles. One of the things that I did, this is a this is more of a tip than anything is I retuned my terrible Facebook feed to only have business articles in it. So that if I was on Facebook and I was going through it, it would be people like Simon Sinek, uh, you know, uh always saying, you know, very leadership-oriented things, very high-level in tune things like articles about Elon Musk, like the types of emails he writes to his team to, uh, draw about change or to talk about, you know, what a high performance team culture looks like.
1: That also sounds like something that just generally inspires you. You're like, I just want to have an inspirational face. Yes. Yes. it is. (laughs) So just so everybody knows that Jackson is inspired by how Elon Musk writes an email.
0: Well, it's, you know, when you think about, you have these, um, characters, right? Characters or heroes or personas out there that people really gravitate to toward and say, you know, Elon Musk, he's this amazing innovator. He's very interested in changing the world and his worldview is completely different than a lot of other people's. Knowing how he he writes an email can be, can be really effective. And it's also a great use of your social media time, right? Um, Having something passive like that, that you almost game, it makes it, you know, kind of fun and less like you're doing work. That's another thing I always think about when you're trying to like get better, when you're thinking about resources, how do you make it fun and not like, all right, I'm studying because college is over school's over. We have jobs. We're, we're doing this stuff all the time, but if you still want to learn and get passionate about things and take it to the next level, how do you do that in a way that's not um, boring and bland? And I think gaming your Facebook feed's one of them. Twitter, I think, is another one.
1: Twitter is really hard to game. I've tried so hard <laughs> to game that to have exactly the type of, of information I want shown. And it turns out that if I have friends, you know, beyond just, prof- it's mostly a professional Twitter, but I still have friends that are, I'm connected with, and it just automatically just shows their Stuff and it's like I don't want to see I I do but I don't I want to see like also that's why I have a Twitter account and I, I look at things that you, on it is for inspiration not so much to uh, be informed of the world you know uh, and who's doing random things at home and whatever right that's what do you get in so that brings up to so like what do you get inspired by where do you go what do you seek out um, to get inspired.
0: Okay. So for me as a person, just to get inspired to do anything, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I like to read a lot of, um, motivational type books that are really about empowerment. You could call them self-help. I don't like to call them self-help, but I really like to read those because a lot of what that talks about is I know, right?
1: And you need to get jacked up constantly by some motivational books under the self-help in any given bookstore but that's not what they are they're just
0: well they're not so uh, they're they're mantras right so uh, you know a good one that i have uh, is called rhinoceros success it's probably like a hundred pages and it's about imagining yourself as a rhinoceros and just plowing through challenges about thinking of yourself as this strong tough animal that can Conquer anything that you're an unstoppable force and uh, you know as lame as that sounds that's That's very inspirational to me It's walking around with the swagger of a rhinoceros can help you um, Help help me do more than I've been able to do in the past and help propel me to see what that next level is You know, I always talk about myself as a gamer. It's important to be able to identify challenges identify gaps that you need what tools you need to go face this enemy to get to the next level to become whatever the ultimate mage I don't know whatever Pokemon trainer, whatever your flavor is and so those types of books that kind of um, persona or inspiration really helps me break through and then I would also say just look around right like look around at what other people are doing use I've told this to people before. When you see people doing good things, don't think of it as a threat, think of it as a challenge. It is a challenge and it is an opportunity to close that gap and to be as good as that person is. I always feel like if you think about it as a challenge, not a threat, because threats are scary, threats we run away from, we don't approach them, we back off, but a challenge, a contender, an opponent, that's, I, I use the word battle a lot, That is something that I find to be very motivating. So find your challengers on Twitter, um, wherever they are, YouTube, whatever they look like and use them to improve yourself. That's where I get my inspiration from. I've got a a lot of other books like that. Again, I don't like to say self-help. I really like to say motivational mantras maybe that help um, remind yourself that you're allowed to do whatever you want to do and that you're a force. Yes. Am I crazy? I've now outed myself as, as a rhinoceros. It's kind of funny
1: that you, 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 you just like, you, you like positioned yourself in a subset of books, but in general, I wrote down in all caps, I wrote, and I was going to save this for, for last, for the resources for inspiration, which is the library, just like people need to go read, go and do, read some books, do some research and really go deep on something, whatever it is, like, get in, Go in and and get inspired by going as far in as you can get. And don't just like, oh, I I learned about basic botany today. Um, No, go in and like really geek out and understand and do your research on the terminology and how things work in that field. And you don't have to like become an expert. I'm not saying put in 10,000 hours. I'm saying put in like 100 and just it helps you empathize with it. So coming back, right, empathy. Let's understand what's going on in this in this in this world, and then that'll help me create whatever I'm going to create. And it's the same with what we're doing at work on any given day. Let's understand what our end users are going through and really live in their their shoes for a hundred hours, and then fix and solve their problems with data. Um, so. That's really, I mean, I cheated. I went to my last one first, and now I feel like any of the others are kind of, not as great, but like go to a library or if you're really are trying to come up with something like super cool, go to check out your local art scene. Maybe you don't have that, but like try to find some way to, When when I get really get stuck, I will just go to an art museum, and then I'm just gonna like look and try to find one thing that I can try to come up with a one cool idea and how I can iterate on that. So like, I've got in my notebook. Also keep a notebook and just like write down things as you're thinking them. I think most people they just walk around with it in their day and they don't really think they're thinking about things, but they don't like note down. Okay, I thought about this. Don't be afraid to. It's not a diary. I mine is just like a bullet it's a bullet list every day. I just write down one or two points and that's all. that's it. And it, it just keeps, And now I have a huge backlog of ideas that I need to sift through and when I want to go and do something and I need inspiration, it's, it's right there.
0: You brought up a good point about going deep on topics that you're not deep on. I like that as well, because it reminds me that as deep as I think I am in a, in a subject, I could always be deeper, right? Like you could always get a PhD in something crazy, right? We all, we all know that, right, Luke? But you could always, always specialize further and deeper in a subject area. And when you see things like that, right? Like when you go to a bookstore or library and you see that there is a shelf dedicated to multiple voices talking about the same thing, and they're all slightly different. I think that's another thing that, you know, it's kind of adjacent to this, but that gives me space and breathing room to contribute to our world to our domain that that knowledge and awareness that you know everybody's everybody has their own special flavor and, and approach and that we really can't ever dig out the hole completely it's just infinitely deep right it there's just always more to unearth and uncover
1: yep yeah. and Another thing that's like, if we're talking inspiration that I get excited about is trying to understand, again, we talked about this already, what happens when you're a level expert and you don't necessarily, they're not technical resources that exist, where do you go and get motivated? So, like, This is, I think, where you're reading these books that are specific to a subset. Um, I like to go on Netflix and there's like a couple, this is like this general genre of things where it's following experts in their field and understanding their thought process behind it. So there's like for design, there's abstract, for cooking, there's chef's table, and for hip hop, there's rapture and when i'm watching those i'm not like oh i wish i was living the life of those individuals i'm thinking okay what's their thought process as they're doing this and they're sort of explaining sometimes their thought process and it's it's really gathering insight on how professionals true true experts who have put in more than ten thousand hours who have become these elite level individuals in their skill what are they thinking about and what is their approach and i think that's the differentiator right that's not so much in technical ability it's in that thought process
0: yeah yeah, I'm I, i I'm hearing the word athlete, right, and then growth mindset. Those are the two things. If you approach it like an athlete, like an athlete can always get better, right? Like there's always a new goal for them to achieve. Their coach is always pushing them to, to, you know, run faster, jump higher, whatever it is, and there's always more work to be done, always more training to be done, And and then you think about your body, it's always changing, right, so you always have to adapt to it, and that's where I think the growth mindset comes from is you always have to be very adaptive to your environment and that's what's going to keep you moving forward once you get to a certain level of what I'll call awareness I guess in a certain domain or field
1: and I can say that as an ex as a former researcher on growth mindset is that often that's the difference is that individuals see do not see their intelligence as malleable they see it as sort of this rigid thing and and that's the differentiator so it's Convincing everybody or convincing yourself that you do have the ability to do something because it's very much possible like the the limitations based on what we can generally consider baseline intelligence is Like one-tenth of what goes into the differentiator like you can have people who are generally of the same intelligence and then you train them on fixed versus malleable intelligence and then you can see growth in those individuals as you push that that's like a huge thing in elementary in education in general is this idea of malleability Um, and it's 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 a huge differentiator not just for kids but for adults like at any point you can break through become an athlete uh, and become this true expert as long as you believe that you can do it like that's that's the I guess where the self-help comes in self-help um and getting the the mentality right for success
0: yeah absolutely I mean again there's nothing gnarly about someone reminding you or speaking very explicitly very clearly a lot of the books that I like that are more in the self-help uh genre rely on like very um sharp words like a lot of curse words to explain things and that's because it cuts through the noise i'll say noise in your head and helps you um remember and and break through okay
1: and so that's that's great and all there's lots of different ways that we can be inspired in terms of individuals but if what happens if i'm still learning like what are some tangible places i can go um on the web or in person where i can learn this information Do you have any, like, tell me what your actual favorite websites or books are.
0: My actual favorites. So authors. So if you want to learn more about the audience, uh, data visualization or information communication in general, Stephen Few, Edward Tufte, Alberto Cairo. I haven't said much about Alberto, but I love Alberto because he comes at it from a journalistic angle. He's more about telling a story, and telling a story doesn't mean fictionalizing or uh, sensationalizing what it is. It means cleverly and thoughtfully using something like data and information to help clearly. Um, explain complex situations so those are my top three if you're like purely in the data field and you're trying to get better at data communication technical resources there is no shortcut to success you have to do the work I say this over and over again do the work watching someone do the work is not good enough so I will plug our stuff till the end of my days do workout Wednesday if you want to get better at tableau do the workout Wednesday don't read the blog article and like the picture build it out the struggle is where you get good the same can be said for many other things out there so any sort of like uh, free e-learning courses like Coursera udemy any of that stuff do the work don't just half-ass it on your phone and scroll through it do the work and you're gonna reap the benefits of it And then um, my last resource would just be community. Community is always a resource for me because I feel it's very appropriate to have multiple voices, um, people, allies with you as you're on a journey. For me, that means going to local meetups, local user groups, seeing what other people are doing is a first step just just silently watch what people are doing gauge and think about it like you're an analyst and try to understand what's going on and then if you get more comfortable talk to people about what they're doing and then share ultimately what you're doing that is a very tangible thing that you can do look to your neighbor look to twitter wherever you have a community it doesn't have to be a traditional term community you're going to grow and those are probably going to be some of your best resources. And if for no other reason, then what I said earlier, you don't have to know everything, but you need to know where to find everything. Other people are great resources for resources. All right, Luke, that's my soapbox. Let's hear yours.
1: Oh, well, I was just going to call it a day after that. I mean, that was, that was a run and in a good way very much like there's a lot of lots to unpack and i think that people should go re-listen to the last two minutes for sure um and get some good information from you from that um i'm just going to keep this simple right so if you're looking for general books to be inspired like once a year there's the the best in american infographics even though they're not all american infographics like you can go and check these out and it gives you sort of some general ideas, or you can go to like, uh, the information is awards.com backslash showcase, and you can look at all sort of the best of for a particular year, and then you can break that out into uh, individual areas. I also like to go to like, D3 has a lot of great examples. So when I'm looking for like, what can be, what's the part of the possible, I'm just always searching the D3 galleries. Um, Also, Nathan Yao, on flowingdata.com just kind of is a great curator of the best things that are coming through the Internet um, again coming back to this book data fluency it's a great read for anybody who's doing anything within an organization and using data at work and then as you mentioned Stephen Few for, for general if we're gonna call it there I say dashboard design this is a great place to start especially if you're a beginner um, because if you ever end up being, going through one of uh, one of my training courses um, formatting and we spend a whole bunch of time talking formatting but really it's more than formatting it's really about the design and um, that's that's the differentiator in terms of making something that's great um, yeah I think I'll leave it at, at just those handful of resources um, maybe everybody should know is that before we went into this I Ann and I said all right let's each come up with five different resources to talk about, and I think we're well over that at this point.
0: Yeah, for sure, which I think is great. I mean, it goes back, I'm proving my own point that people are great resources for resources. So if nothing else, I think that that's been an enjoyment for me to kind of walk through those. And maybe I'll even kind of go off and say, audience, if there's any resources that you want to share with us that you think are impactful, let's let's get the conversation going right I need to know things i I don't know all the books I mean Luke you shared with me data fluency I'd never heard of it I've not seen that Nate silver's best infographics book I mean my takeaway from this the things that I've been writing down are the resources that you've shared with me I think it's important that we continue that um, spirit of sharing
1: absolutely and I think what we can do is we can if people are sharing we can share our what we've heard the next next episode we don't have a set we have a, for next episode we haven't decided exactly what the topic is we have a couple of different options uh maybe working through a possible guest to have on on the show um but that's that's really what we want to do is continue to make this a conversation and not have it just uh the Anne and luke talking at people and espousing on their soap boxes half hour no, no
0: that is definitely not what we want minutes. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think we've kind of covered the full list of things. So should we call it a wrap?
1: Yes, we should. Bye, analytical people. Bye, everybody. That's a whole separate conversation um, that we can go down another time.
0: Good. Yeah, let's, we'll we'll save that one. (laughs) We'll save that for another time. Oh, we're going to cut that part out.
1: You can leave whatever you want in. Josh will just add it in to the edits at the end.